0: Hello and welcome to the Sioux Nation podcast. I'm your Sioux Nation Egg Center staff, Johanna Klinghagen. With us on the show today is Dr. Grant Crawford, Director of Cattle Technical Services at Merck Animal Health. Thank you for joining us again, Dr. Crawford.
1: Thanks, Johanna. Glad to be here.
0: On this episode, we are discussing the economics of parasites in the classes of cattle, how parasites damage the GI tract, the effect of parasites on the immune function, the different classes of dewormers, and how resistance has developed and what we can do about it today. The challenges that livestock producers face are often numerous and difficult, requiring excellent management skills. Are there statistics or data that illustrates the economic impact that parasite impact? Festations
1: have on cattle? Yeah, Joanna, thanks. thanks for the question. And, and certainly there, there are a, a lot of different papers, a lot of research we can look at to see the effect of parasites on cattle. And it's something that's often overlooked. You know, we think about nutrition, we think about animal health and vaccines and antibiotics and different things like that. But, but deworming and parasites are often something that we overlook. But when we look at the data, one study that is used a lot to illustrate the importance of, of deworming and the, the damage the parasites can do is a study that was done by uh, Dr. John Lawrence and others at Iowa State University back um, around 2007. And what Dr. Lawrence and coworkers did is they looked at all the animal health technologies that were available for cattle production. And so those would include vaccines, antibiotics, implants, dewormers, fly control, ionophores, products like that. And they looked at the, the production and health responses from all those products, and then they broke it down into different segments, so cow-calf, stocker, and feedlot, and put some economic data on it. And, and what Dr. Lawrence found was that in the cow-calf segment, deworming was far and away the number one thing that a cow-calf producer could do to, to improve profitability in the cow-calf herd. What they found was that in the cow-calf herd, Animal health technologies led to $274 greater return per cow-calf pair. And of that $274, $201 came just from deworming. And that came from increased weaning weight on the calves and increased preg rate on the cows. And then the stocker segments, these would be weaned calves on grass Deworming was, again, the number one animal health technology. It was a $24 per head returns, not nearly as much as in the cow-calf segment, but that was still the number one animal health technology. All total, there was $95 that could be gained through the use of animal health technologies in the stocker segment, but $24 came from deworming. And then the feedlot, maybe not surprisingly, the number one animal health technology in feedlots was implants. Or implanting was number one. But deworming was number two. Deworming returned $35 per head to the feedlot enterprise. And that was through improved weight gain and improved animal health. So if you put all that together, if you take the cow-calf segment, the stocker segment, and the feedlot segment and combine them, the value of deworming from that study was $260 per head if somebody owned those cattle from cow-calf all the way through the feedlot. So it's pretty clear that deworming is a a big deal. In fact, it's the the biggest thing we can do from an animal health perspective for cattle profitability.
0: We know that parasites are harmful because you explained the damage they can do to the GI tract.
1: Yeah, when we think of parasites, I I think one of the first things is to just define what parasitism is. And parasitism is the relationship between two organisms in which one organism benefits at the expense of another. So it's it's not a mutual relationship. It's one organism getting something out of it. At the, at the expense of another. So there's obviously losses that occur because of that. And when we look at the, the parasites that affect cattle, some of them are, are blood suckers. They get in the, the lower gut and they suck blood. So they can cause anemia and different things like that. That would be uh, a worm like the barber pole worm, which is uh, Homunculus placei in cattle, Homunculus contortus in small ruminants. People who raise sheep and goats, they probably know the barber pole worm. Uh, pretty well. It's a it's a very pathogenic worm in small ruminants. Uh, it's not as pathogenic in cattle, but certainly can still cause damage, and primarily through sucking blood in the gut and, and anemia. But the more common worms that we run into in cattle are Ostertagia uh, and Cooperia, Nematodirus, and those they don't suck blood, but they do damage to the GI tract by burrowing in the gut wall and feeding off of the gut lining. So whenever, whenever that happens, it's going to cause uh, production losses in cattle, losses in weight gain, uh, reductions in, in reproduction, and then also animal health issues.
0: What about the short and long-term effects that parasites can have on the immune function of the animal? Well,
1: when we think again about, about parasites, they, they really affect the animal multiple ways and, and affect the, the immune system multiple ways. Uh, the number one thing that, that parasites do to cattle is a reduced feed intake. So if if we have a reduction in feed intake, whether that's in a feedlot where they're eating less of the the TMR that's put in front of them, or if they're grazing cattle, they're they're eating less out on pasture. That reduction in intake means there's fewer nutrients for growth and reproduction and animal health. So that's a, that's an indirect effect on the immune system. There's just not as many. Nutrients, vitamins, minerals, protein, energy to, to help support that immune system. On top of reduction in intake, parasites reduce absorption of nutrients. Uh, most parasites or a lot of parasites anyway live in the lower gut, the, the small intestine. And that's where nutrient absorption largely occurs in cattle. Uh, that's where the, the nutrients get out of the gut, across the gut wall into the bloodstream, into the tissues where they can have a, have a benefit. So if that absorption is, is reduced because that gut wall is inflamed for parasites, there's fewer of those nutrients that can go for those productive benefits like, like growth and reproduction and supporting the immune system. So that's another indirect effect on the immune system. The direct effect the parasites have on the immune system is, is simply because they're not supposed to be there. They're a, they're a foreign invader to the, the body of the animal, and then the immune system is going to recognize those parasites as that, and they're going to mount an immune response. The immune, res- the immune system does a lot of great things, but one thing it's not real great at is multitasking. So what, what parasites do is they trigger what's called a, a Th2 response, and a Th2 response is an immune response that largely occurs in response to extracellular, paras- extracellular invaders, so those are, those are invaders or foreign objects that are outside the cell. And that's opposed to a Th1 response, which would be more for intracellular invaders. And those would be like viruses in a lot of cases. So the immune system is, is gonna fight these parasites, try to get rid of them, try to protect the body from them. But in doing that, that Th1 response, which takes care of viruses is blocked or limited. So that, that opens cattle up to viral infections and, and the, the effects that may come with that. Uh, Coccidiosis is another issue that we can see pop up when there's a, a parasite load or a worm burden in cattle. Cocci is an intracellular pathogen. So as the immune system is trying to take care of extracellular parasites like worms, cocci can grow. So we'll often see higher cocci counts if we're doing a fecal egg count. On cattle that have a high parasite load. And after those cattle are dewormed, then those coxy counts often go down too, because then the immune system can take care of the coxy because they're not trying to take care of the worms. And as far as a long-term effect, once cattle are dewormed, it's not like the immune system just automatically resets and it's back up to its fully functioning form. It takes a while for that immune system to get going again. So that's why it's important to to keep cattle strategically dewormed so that we don't let these worm burdens grow and affect the immune system because there's certainly an effect on the immune system while there is a worm burden, but there's also an effect on the immune system after those worms are gone as the, as the immune system essentially resets itself.
0: So how have dewormers changed over the years and what are some of the ways we can overcome resistance?
1: Yeah, Johanna, there's, there's, unfortunately, there haven't been any new classes of dewormers for a really long time. You look at, at IVAMEC and that class of dewormers, the macrocyclic lactones and the avermectins, those first came out in the early 80s. Uh, Safeguard and Panicure, which are benzimidazoles, that's a different class of dewormer, but still not a new class of dewormers. That also was first introduced to the market in the, the early 80s. So there haven't been any new classes for a long time. And because of that, there's been resistance built to some of the dewormers, particularly the porons or injectables, the the macrocyclic lactones or the avermectin type products. And these products, when they first came onto the market, they were really really a wonder drug. They were used for a lot of different things, not only in cattle, but a lot of different livestock species and, and humans as well. They could take care of internal parasites such as worms. They could take care of external parasites such as flies and, and lice and grubs and different things like that. They were great. They did a lot of great things. But unfortunately, they were overused and oftentimes underdosed as well. So because of that constant use and occasional underdosing, they've lost effect- efficacy over time. The whitewormers, uh, Safeguard, Panicure, the drench-type wormers, they've been out a long time too, but they, they've maintained their efficacy. And a, a lot of that is due to their mode of action or really how they're applied. The white wormers are oral products, whether it's a drench product or a feed product, so those products go straight to the gut where most worms live so that they can take care of worms right there. Whereas the porons and injectables, the porons in particular, they have to get through the hide, into the bloodstream, and then to where worms live, so it takes them a longer time to get to where worms are. Uh, there's always issues with with pouring on cattle. You know how much gets actually gets on the animal, how much gets licked off, how much of it gets washed off. So they may actually be underdosed. So for all of those reasons, the pour-ons and injectables just don't work as well as they used to. And the the drench products and the feed products still are highly effective. And with that, what we've seen in some of the fecal egg count reduction testing we've done is when we take fecal samples from cattle before they're dewormed and do an egg count to, to get an idea of how many worms are in their gut, and then those cattle are dewormed, and we take samples again two weeks after they're dewormed to see how well those dewormers worked, we see that the white wormers, uh, Safeguard and Panicure, are still 95 to 100% effective, on average about 98% effective. The porons are injectables. The porons, in particular, are only about 50 to 55 percent effective. The injectables are a little bit better than that; they'll get closer to 60 percent effective. But neither of them are anywhere near the 90 plus efficacy that we'd like to see in a dewormer. So it's pretty clear that those products don't work as well as they used to.
0: So, is there anything else you would like our listeners to know today?
1: Well, there's a little bit of the, on the previous question. We I didn't mention much about resistance, but one of the ways we can try to overcome resistance is by uh, combination deworming. So using different classes of dewormers. And it's important to remember that using a, an injectable and a pour-on at the same time is not combination deworming because those, those products are all the same class. They're macrocyclic lactones or they're, they're avermectins. So when I say combination deworming, I mean using a, a macrocyclic lactone along with a benzimidazole or a drencher feed product. So, you know, that may be an an ivermectin-type product along with Safeguard. That allows uh, coverage of resistant parasites. If if a parasite is resistant to one of those classes, most likely it's not resistant to the other class, so we can take care of those parasites and, and overcome some of the resistance. And one of the big things with overcoming resistance or more so overcoming deworming failures is to make sure we're dosing at the proper weight and we often underestimate weight of cows of calves of bulls whatever they may be so we need to make sure we're we're setting our dosing guns at the proper weight for cattle shooting for the the heavier end of cattle rather than the average size of cattle and by doing that we'll have a more effective deworming and beyond that you know right now we're we're getting closer to calving time and It's important to remember for cows that 75% of fetal growth happens in the third trimester. And if those cattle are not dewormed, if they are not dewormed in the fall, they're still carrying a worm load from whatever they picked up uh, late summer and fall last year. So it's important to get those cattle dewormed because right now there's a, a huge nutrient need to support that gestating calf. And body condition score at calving, body condition score of that cow at calving time, is related to rebreeding in the summer. So the better body condition score we can have that cow in, the better she'll do in getting rebred in the summer. So that's important. If if cattle were not dewormed last fall, they should be dewormed before calving. And then also, if somebody's in doubt of of how well their dewormer's working or they want to know how well it's working or if their cattle are carrying a worm load, fecal egg counting, fecal egg count testing is a a quick and easy and free service that can be done to to assess worm load on cattle or egg shedding on cattle, and also assess how well their dewormers working. So I'd encourage producers to get in touch with the folks at Sioux Nation to take advantage of fecal egg count testing. We have fecal egg count kits that are free of charge. Uh, it's it's an easy process, and you 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 get pretty quick feedback on how well the dewormer is working so that's something I'd encourage all producers to do especially if they have cattle out on grass.
0: Thank you Dr. Crawford there's so much to learn from you and thank you to our listeners for tuning in we'll catch you next time with more guests and topics related to the current egg climate.